Almighty God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for waking us up to another day and uh, giving us this opportunity to, to be here and to worship you. Thank you for all the many blessings you've given us, and I do pray that we'll walk away different men and women because of what we hear today, uh, not from my mouth, but from your word. Uh, God, truly help us, strengthen us, and allow us to do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, uh, several years ago, we had a conference in Boston, and so we got a chance to do... Not on. Light stream. But I gotta plug it in. That makes sense. When you get older, y'all, y'all just start doing all kind of stuff. There you go. You light up my life. There you go. So now I gotta say, y'all didn't even hear me pray, huh? Because I was in. No, I was not. So. Years ago, we had a conference in Boston, and uh, we got a chance to go kind of on tour throughout the city to see some things, and one of the places we went to was, uh, I believe it was Paul Revere's place where he stayed, and uh, it was a, a small place. You know how they kind of built their own houses back then, but it was like small. I mean, I was walking around in there, because they just weren't as tall as people are today, so they didn't build houses as big as they are today. So it was just kind of different, just walking through there, seeing that. Uh, they also have, uh, example, um, Benjamin Franklin's grave there. And uh, it's very interesting because people throw approximately $3,000 in pennies on Ben Franklin's grave every year. And the reason they do that is because one time he once said, a penny saved is a penny earned. So people would throw pennies on his grave, and it's thousands of dollars throughout the year that they collect for that. Basically, he made more money in his death than he did in his life. But not only that, there's also the Independence Hall where the Declaration of Independence was signed. I uh, got a chance to go by where the Liberty Bell was. And uh, a few things about that. In 1751, uh, they paid around 100 pounds or $128 for a large bell to hang in the new state house which was the Independence Hall. The bell arrived in 1752. Uh, because of the metal was so brittle, the first time they tested it, it cracked on the first time. And so they added more copper to it to strengthen it. But once they did that, it didn't make the same kind of sound, and people started to complain about it. So then they added more copper to the bell. And the result was the same. The sound did not sound very good. But at one point in time, the Liberty Bell was once auctioned off to be sold as scrap metal. Uh, at one point, the founding fathers of the city uh, gave the bell to a bell maker named John Wilbank in exchange for replacing the bell. But Wilbank agreed to take $400 off his bill of making a new bell if they would give him that bell. But when time came to collect, he decided that bell's not worth the effort. 2,000 pounds of scrap he didn't want. But the city got upset, so they sued him. So he said, okay, I'm going to take the bell. So he gave them $400, because to them, that's all the bell was worth, was $400. So he gave them $400, but when he went to pick it up, he said, I don't want it. And so he donated it back to the city. Because all it was worth to them was $400 and meaningless. Wilbank didn't believe that the bell was worth the trouble of even hauling it away. 
And he was right because the bell was so structurally damaged and it wasn't very good. But it was only rung a couple of times after that because of how weak the metal was. There's a time when no one even wanted the Liberty Bell. It was cracked and useless and good for nothing. And yet today, in order to get into the building where you can see the Liberty Bell, you have to go through a metal detector. They got guards all around it. Because now it's so valuable because once it let freedom ring at one point in time. They rang that bell saying the Declaration of Independence was signed. This is a statement of freedom for everyone. You know, it's important for us to remember that the Liberty Bell is valuable. Not because of its value as a bell, but because it had once been rung, again, letting us know that the Declaration of Independence is signed and freedom is there. This is Black History Month. And during this month, we honor men and women who have let freedom ring, who have declared freedom in many different ways. Not just for African Americans, but for all minorities, all people. Example, Martin Luther King. Even many quotes that he gave. One, he said, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Malcolm X, great guy stood up for what he believed in. That's an example of fighting against what you once was valued as, but still doing what you felt was right. Frederick Douglass, another great African-American. Maya Angelou, she once said, if you're always trying to be normal, you will never know how amazing you can be. And we all know Muhammad Ali. This man just, he's just we can just go on and on about him. But there are so many people that spoke to let freedom ring. I mean, it would take all day just to say the names of these people. Now, biblically, we're, sto we're told stories of people who, as well, are now household names because they also spoke to let freedom ring. People like Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, James, John, Mary, Martha. I mean, there are so many biblical people who spoke up to let freedom ring. These are examples of people who changed lives of millions of people to come after them. And so today I want to talk about one individual by the name of Philip. Philip is only mentioned three times in the Bible. Turn over to Acts chapter 6. When we're first introduced to Philip, he's being nominated by the church to be a deacon in order to help distribute food to the widows in the congregation. It's not really a high-profile job, but in Acts 6, it tells us that Philip and six other men were known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. In Acts 6, verse 1, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Grecian Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, Procurius, and five of the men. 
So, not too long after that, Philip was given this responsibility. Now, King Herod, at this time, he began to persecute the church. And even to the point that he had the apostles James executed and Peter put in prison. So many Christians, including Philip, feared for their lives and went to different cities. Now, Philip went north about 35 miles to a region of Samaria. And he began to preach the word of God in Samaria. Now, we're not told how big this city was. But as soon as he arrived, he began preaching the word of God and converted pretty much the entire city. But as far as we know, he was never an ordained minister. He never went to seminary or Bible college. Philip was just preaching the word as a faithful disciple. And as a result, this deacon of the church changed the lives of so many people. In addition, because he was open to allowing God to use him, God gave him additional missions to accomplish. Look in chapter 8, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship. And on his way home, he was sitting with his, in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told him, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shear is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they were traveling on the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up off the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Astos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Philip was sent to preach to a high official, to the queen of Ethiopia, the treasurer, Big Wig. Now, why would God send Philip to such an important person? You would think, why not send Peter or James, God? Why not bring out the big guns to talk to this person? Because they have so much influence. And they can talk to the queen, and they can probably take over the country. I mean, we can share the gospel. You better send in the best. But God didn't do that. He wasn't in the sending in the big guns. Why Philip? He wasn't nearly as important as the other guy. But God said, no, I need Philip to go talk to the Ethiopian unit. And this isn't out of the ordinary. God does this kind of stuff all the time. Realize this. Think, remember Paul's conversion. 
He's on his way to persecute Christians, and he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's blinded. He's knocked off his horse. Then we're talking about the Apostle Paul. Other than Jesus, probably one of the greatest men of all time back then. A guy who wrote a fourth of the New Testament. A guy who opened up churches and doorways all over. So here's Paul in need of help. Did he send one of the big guns? Nope. Did he send Jesus' half-brother, Jude or James? Nope. One of the apostles? Nope. Who did he send? Ananias. Now, how many times is Ananias even mentioned in the Bible? One time. Look in Acts chapter 9, verse 10. Acts chapter 9, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with the authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Amazing story. We don't know if Ananias was even a leader in his church. We don't know if he was a deacon. It didn't say deacon Ananias. We don't know if he even did a communion talk. You know nothing about this guy. So why would God use the second string to convert one of the most powerful, influential men? Why would he not send in the big guns, the big wigs, to convert such a man as this? Because the good news isn't to be shared by just the influential, popular people of the church. The good news is to be shared by everybody who's a disciple of Jesus. <laughs> Bringing people to Christ is for all believers. If we say we believe, we need to share. Psalms 100, verse 3, this is what it says. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his sheep. I mean, we are his... His, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Now here's the question. Besides wolves, what do sheep produce? Sheep. They produce wool or they produce more sheep. Sheep produce sheep. God says, you are my sheep of my pasture. Your role is to produce more sheep. Now I'm going to say that again because I didn't get all the way through the congregation. It got right here. Sheep produce sheep. If we are the sheep of his pasture, we need to produce sheep for his pasture. So how can we prepare ourselves for that? That was all my introduction. Now we're getting into it. 
So how can I prepare myself, if I'm his sheep, to produce more sheep? I got three simple things for you. Number one, you got to be excited. You got to be excited. Wait a minute, hold on, wait, what do you mean? No, no, you don't have to be up front as the big gun. You just got to be excited about Jesus. You say, well, wait, 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 are you sure? You remember Martin Luther King's speech that he gave, I have a dream speech that we all talk about and look at? That wasn't even in his notes. He was up there, he was talking, doing his thing, and in the back, Mahalia Jackson was saying, Martin, tell him about your dream, Martin, tell him about the dream, Martin, in the background. You say, now why? Because he had already preached a sermon to his church about that very dream. She was referring to him, tell the people about the sermon you preached on the dream. In the background, hearing her, he changed everything he did and preached his I have a dream speech. She wasn't the big gun, but yet she was in the back that influenced what changed the world. So many times we're so worried about, am I up front? Do you understand? Your excitement does not depend on your title in the church. It doesn't depend on what you do in the church. Your excitement depends on your personal relationship with God. That's what excitement is about. If you're walking close with God, you're excited to share about it. Think about it. If you get a promotion, you get a new car, you get a house, you're telling everybody about that. You want everybody to come see. You got an open house. You got food laid out. You want everybody to come over because you're excited about what you got. Well, if you found Jesus, are you just excited? Is it open house for Jesus? This is what we're talking about. You cannot win people to Christ if you walk around mad, attitudes, lip dragging, no hug, nobody, frown on your face. Good morning, brother. What are you talking about? That's not excitement for Jesus. You got to ask, am I excited for Jesus? Think about it. I'm so excited, I'm going to get to church early. I'm so excited, I'm walking in at 1045. See? We just got to ask, are you excited? Now we can all say, yeah, but your life shows if you're excited. Everybody can say it, especially on Sunday morning. I got up and I went. I'm excited. That don't mean you're excited. Because you go to work, and we ain't all excited about going to work. But you do what you got to do. That is not what your relationship with God should be. I'm just doing what I got to do. Are you excited about Jesus? See, that's the only way sheep can produce sheep, is if you're excited. But if, if somebody's looking at your life, and you are just probably at a different, worse place than they are, how can they be excited about coming to church? If all we do is complain, argue, every time somebody says it's this, you say it's that. Every time something happens, we're in the negative side of it. Oh yeah, you want to come to church too, by the way? I, what? Why? I could be more excited at home watching... Rachel Ray didn't watch the view. Excitement. Look at Acts chapter 8, verse 29. Acts chapter 8, verse 29. It says that on his way home, he was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. 
The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Listen, the spirit said, Philip, go to that chariot. Philip didn't say, let me pray about it, spirit. Let me fast for three days, spirit. I just don't feel it in my heart. I didn't have a good quiet time today, so I don't feel it in my heart. No, the spirit said, go. He didn't even walk. He ran up to the chariot. Why? He was excited to share about Jesus. Our excitement for Jesus to be kind of like the little boy that moved from the country to the city. They get to the city. He woke up 530 in the morning. Mama, mama, mama. It's morning time. She said, get dressed and go play outside. Leave me alone. The boy goes outside 20 minutes. Come back in. Mama, mama, everybody in the neighborhood got doorbells and they work. He's so excited. He's just going down, ringing doorbells, running away. He's just glad to be out the country and be around other people. Guys, how excited are you about Jesus? Just, just a personal what? Don't, even, don't raise your hand. Don't answer out loud. But think about it. How excited. I didn't say, do you love him? I know you love him. How excited are you about Jesus? That's the number one thing. Excitement about Jesus. Number two, in order for us to make more sheep, we've got to also be available. You need to be excited, but you need to be available. Again, look in Acts 8, verse 39. When they came up out the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared in Astos and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. We got to look at this. Philip talked about Jesus wherever he went. It said he preached the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Many people don't share their faith because in their hearts they start to compare themselves to other people. Sometimes we compare ourselves to people in the world. They look like they got a better life than me. Look how they dress. Look at their car. Look at their house. Look how they talk. They must have it all together. And you know what? People in the world, because we were there, know how to make it look good. But then when they get home, it's a whole other story. But sometimes we compare ourselves to people in the church. We think, you know what, I don't know as much Bible as they do. You know, I, I, I'm just not a people person like they are. That's just the way I am. There's only one I am, and it's not you. We need to get to be like the I am instead of pretending to be who we are. If you are a new creation in Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. We can't selectively be a new creation. I'm a new creation because I'm forgiven. But I'm still an introvert. You know, when I study the Bible, I didn't like talking to people at all. It wasn't me. And they sat down when they studied the Bible with me. 
And he said, now listen, if Jesus talks to thousands of people, how can you say you're a follower of Jesus and you won't talk to two or three? We've got to ask ourselves. It, again, it's not about studying the Bible. It's about living the Bible. And many times we read it and we see it, but are we applying it to our lives? It's just that simple, guys. In short, what they really are saying is, I'm not as good as everyone else in my ability to share about Jesus. Listen, we're all on the same place at the foot of the cross. We all have the same ability to share about Jesus. Don't sell yourself short on the lies of Satan. Don't think your Christianity is of lesser value than the next person. That your material is not as good as the next person. That your spiritual liberty bell has got too many cracks in it to be able to share about Jesus. And that's what it is. You know what? I had an argument with my wife. So I can't do communion this week, bro. Sorry. How about you repent and make up and then get up there and share about it? You know, I had, a, I had a hard day with my kids this week, so that's why I didn't share with the person at the bus stop. you telling me your little kid that you made is causing you to be an introvert at the bus stop. That's really hard to believe. But yet, you can go home and tell that little kid, you better do this, and you better get happy, and you better do this. Guys, we look at too many cracks in our spiritual liberty bell and think we're useless. You gotta understand, you have more value than you could ever imagine. See, your value in sharing about Jesus is not your ability, it's your availability. Are you available for God to use? You guys ever heard of Jerry Rice? One of the greatest football players ever. He played for the San Francisco 49ers, other team, but 49ers. You know them, the team Kansas City just beat for the Super Bowl. Yeah, 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 yeah. But he's now in the Hall of Fame. Even if he played against them, they probably still would have lost. But he was so good. There were so many colleges coming after him in high school. Big wig colleges. But once he was interviewed on BET, and he said, why would you attend a small, obscure university like Mississippi Valley State when all these other big colleges are coming after you, like UCLA? He said, of all the colleges that recruited me, Mississippi Valley State was the only school to come to my house to give me a personal visit. He was won over by this obscure little small college because those scouts went to his house, sat down, and had one-on-one conversation with him and shared with him. They didn't just call him or send him letters. They went to him and shared with him. So now this little bitty college that nobody knew about produced one of the greatest football players ever. He still has records that people won't catch because he is just that good. Guys, we underestimate not ourselves, but God and how much he can use you. I'm insignificant. I don't know nothing. I'm this and that. God is God. He controls everything. He knows everything. If he calls you to go, we need to go. 
The big guns couldn't win over Jerry Rice. It was a small, obscure college that said, we want to sit down one-on-one with you. Guys, that's what this is all about. you got to be excited. They were excited about Mississippi Valley State. You know, they were thinking, there's nowhere in the world we're going to get this guy to come here. But I'm going to at least try. So let's just go and see what happens. You know what? You may not win over everybody you talk to. But that one person you find, you don't know what that one person is going to do. We've got to be excited. We've got to be available. And then thirdly, we've got to be prepared. You've got to be prepared. Look again in Acts chapter 8, verse 30. Acts 8, verse 30. It says, Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this very passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep before the, to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please. He's begging him, please tell me, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. Here's the thing. Philip didn't say, you know what, stay there for a moment. Let's go back and let's talk about all, look what Moses did and look what David did. No, no, he said, I'm going to take you where you're at. And from there, I'm going to help you see Jesus. Guys, we've got to take people where they are. You're going to meet people, they're going to be emotional all over the place. They're going to be low. They're going to be in the middle. Some of them are going to be able to talk clearly. Some can't talk. Some can't read. Some can't hear things. There's going to be all kinds of people. And you know what? We need every single one of them in God's church. Our problem is sometimes we look for people like us because that's where we feel comfortable. You know what? Some of us need to find somebody that's just the total opposite of you to help them, but to help you as well. You say, well, why is that? Because we're not used to being out of ourselves. We're not used to changing to help win over souls. Paul said he'll do whatever to win as many souls as possible. So here's the key. We all said that when we were baptized. Jesus is Lord. I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. I'll die for Christ. Will you talk to somebody that's totally different than you? I'll get their number and give it to somebody else. Why? See, you, you have no idea how many people give Lauren and myself other people's phone numbers. You met them? Invite them to church? Sit down with them? Talk with them? I'll be happy to meet them. But just because you got a number, do I need to do everything? That's like, I might as well go through the phone book and just start passing out numbers. Hey, I got a number, I got a number, I got a number. Sometimes we're so scared, even though we met the person, we're so scared, we want to just pass them off and say, I've done my duty. Your duty is to change and be more like Christ. Which means there's something about that person that you, God led you to them for a reason, so you can grow as well as they can grow. 
Let's see, we got three claps on that. Yeah, I think, oh, let me talk for a minute. You think I'm making it up? Let me tell you how I'm not. Let me prove it to you. Because there's disciples that are different than you, and we don't even get to know them. And they're already disciples of Jesus. Already fighting the same battle we fighting, and you don't even know who they are. You say, well, I can't know everybody. Well, whoa, you've been here 20 plus years. How many people have you invited over to your house for hospitality? How many people have you served? Well, they don't say nothing to me, so you say something to them. How many people in here do you not know because they're not like you? Now, here's what's funny. I'm just going to say it. You know, I mean, it's Black History Month. I'm going to say what I want to say. I will, I, I'm not going to point anybody out, but please quit hiding behind a person in front of you. Like, I don't see you moving like your head. Uh, oh, 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 this is getting good. Let me just say. I can still see. I'm above you. I can still see you. Quit hiding. I'm not going to say who it is. Look at verse 26. Acts 8, 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And how does Philip respond? Verse 27. So he started out. Again, he didn't ask questions. Uh, so if I'm on that road and it starts going left or right, which way should I go? Uh, what if I'm on that road and there's like a lion out here like five miles away? And uh, what if... And that's what we do sometimes. We have a clear mission, but yet we start asking so many questions because you don't want to do it. So let me ask enough questions to confuse everybody and, and drag this thing out. Now the chariot's going to another city because I don't ask 17 questions. You ain't Oprah Winfrey doing an interview. Go means go. But yet we don't do it. I promise you. Somehow this week, the Spirit is going to call you to share your faith with somebody. And the question is going to be, are you going to sit there and ask questions, or are you going to go because the Spirit prompted you to go? What I mean is this. You're like, man, that person, I feel like they open. And then next thing you know, no, Satan telling me they open. They ain't really open. Don't worry about them. Now you're going to sit there, is that Satan or is that an angel? Is that Satan or an angel? Then they're going to get on the bus, they're going to be five stops down as you're sitting there having that conversation. The Spirit prompts you to go, you need to go. If you go and they say no, that's between them and God. But sometimes we need to stop playing God and stop playing the devil's advocate and just do what the Spirit says. Why? Because every once in a while, God will give you those kind of opportunities. Let's close out in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. This is a scripture we know, but let's talk about it for a minute here. Verse 31. John 8, 31. To the Jews who have believed him. So first of all, he's talking to believers. 
He's not talking to people who are worshiping pagan idols and Molech and all that stuff. These are people that have followed him in the desert. They hot. They smell bad. They hungry. They've been out there all day in the desert. And then all of a sudden, Jesus turned around and said, wait a minute. I know y'all believe me, but let me tell you this. If you hold in my teaching, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Then you know some of them are thinking, because some of them might have been from the Bronx. They sitting there thinking, how are you going to tell me? I've been in the desert all this time, following you. I'm hungry. My transfer didn't work because there ain't no buses out here, but yet you tell me I don't know the truth. I'm just playing, Amanda. I'm just playing. Why? Because they start getting upset because he laid it out there. It's not a matter of you believing. It's a matter of you holding to the scriptures. You know the truth then. Then you can be set free. So what does that mean? That means we are the sheep of his pastor. If you are a disciple of Jesus and he really is Lord of your life, then you know the truth. So you are set free. But there's a whole lot of other people out there that are trapped. So our job is to release those prisoners that are trapped. How do you do that? You share the truth with them. Will everybody listen to the truth? No. They're not going to listen to the truth. The Bible says not everybody will listen to the truth. But it's not for us to choose who will listen and who won't listen to the truth. It's just up to us to preach the truth. And what they do with it is totally up to them. Amen. So let me just say this. No longer act unworthy because you have a crack in your spiritual belt. Let me tell you something. In case you didn't know this, you will always have a crack in your spiritual belt. It ain't enough gorilla glue in the world to seal all your spiritual cracks. We're all on the same place. So instead of worrying about it and pointing fingers at everybody else's cracks and their spiritual bell, we just got to understand, I just need to be excited because of me and Jesus. I need to be available because of me and Jesus. I need to be prepared because of me and Jesus. Because there's nobody in this room that died for you. Jesus died for you. That's who we need to be focused on. Don't worry about how excited sister so-and-so is. She's all bubbly like that. That's just who she is. Well, great. How about you spend time with her so you can become more like that then? Instead of looking at people that are different and we pushing away, maybe we need to pull and draw closer to them so we can imitate that. Guys, again, God is not going to send in the big guns to win over this city. What he's going to do is he's going to send in everybody to win over this city. Big guns, little gun, pistol. You could be a super soaker, all he cares. He just wants you to get in there. It took a little while, but he just wants you to get in there and just share about you. Guys, I love you. We are doing great in the Bronx, but listen to me. We got to let freedom reign in the Bronx. We got to ring that bell. Don't worry about the cracks. If you ring in your bell and you get another crack, you know what? We got people here to help you. We'll do what we can, but listen, it's up to you to preach the good news. And to God be the glory. Amen.